Hello, and welcome back to another spooky episode of Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. I'm your host, Chappie, and let's get spooky. All right, let's get started with some stories of monsters and cryptids. Today's episode is going to be all about cryptids, cryptozoology. Um, If you're struggling with that word or it's brand new to you, it's basically... They're animals presumed by followers of cryptozoology, pseudoscientific subculture to exist on the basis of anecdotal or other evidence considered insufficient by mainstream science, such as a rumor, eyewitnesses, uh, stuff like that. The same things that would go into this are like sightings of Bigfoot, Yeti, Chupacabra, the Jersey Devil, Loch Ness Monster, stuff like that. Um, where there was an eyewitness, a story, but have not been proven by science itself. Another pseudoscience include young earth creationism, ghost hunting, and ufology. And that was from Wikipedia. Just a quick synopsis of what cryptids are. All right, so let's get into the stories. I'm going to go to liveabout.com. And read their article, True Stories of Monsters and Cryptids, by Stephen Wagner. A number and variety of strange creatures that people report seeing is astonishing. Of course, it's possible that they're misidentifying known creatures, but what if only some of these sightings are accurate? Here are a few real reports of cryptids, monsters, and other strange creatures. The first one is a cornfield creature. I used to work at a cheese factory on the edge of a cornfield in southwestern Minnesota. There were a series of days in the summer of 04 and 05 where it was so hot that the milk being delivered to us in trucks would evaporate before we got it. It made work easy. The dearth of milk denied us any actual labor, but management wouldn't let us not come to work, so we would show up and mess around all shift. I was working late. Um, I was working nights at the time. It was about 2 or 3 a.m., and I was out on the loading dock watching bats fly around the floodlights because I liked being out in the cool night air. The corn was about as high as my shoulders, so about 5'10". As I was watching the bats, I looked down to the edge of the cornfield. Something was moving there. It was the size of a small child and very, very skinny, pale, with something that looked like a head of straight black hair. It moves sort of jerky, like had a jerky gait, like someone dancing the robot badly. It moved in chunks, legs, then hips, then torso, shoulders, neck, finally head. It was looking back into the cornfield, or at least I felt like it was. I felt prickly all over. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a heron or something at first, but it looked too much like a person. It didn't move like a person though. Gradually, step by step, it moved toward me. Letting my curiosity better my fear, I moved toward the edge of the dock, which was raised a few feet off the ground. When I got within a few feet of the edge, the thing looked at me. I was paralyzed. I could have run, but I was stuck somewhere between terrified and intrigued. It moved its face, still pointed at me. It ratcheted its body in that disconcerting, jerky movement toward the cornfield and went into it. I tried to watch where the field moved as it passed, but the corn remained perfectly still. 
I noticed all the crickets were silent. After a few minutes, nothing happened. I stood up. I stood out there for an hour, but it never came back, and I never saw it again. That was a eyewitness account from looks like Frank Simcoe. All right, our next one is a forest cryptid. My strange story took place on the 26th of September, 2009. My church was on a retreat in Indiana, in a forest. The place we stayed at was a small building in the center of the forest. We decided that evening to go out and play in the forest with the children, so we came up with a game to play. It was like police. The kids were the police, and we would pick an adult to be the hostage. So when we began the game, we would find the adult hiding in the forest in the middle of the night. So we start going around the back of the building, and we spotted a tall figure. It had to be at least six feet tall. It was running towards the trees where the there was a small opening with tall grass that goes up to your knees. It ran with its arms at its side, but it stopped at the edge of the tall grass as if to wait for us to get closer. We chased after it, thinking it was the adult. When we were a few yards away, it dove into the grass and started to crawl very fast, almost snake-like. We got weirded out, but stood there staring at it. When it got across the tall grass, it began to climb a tree. It looked like something like a deformed cat-like animal when it was climbing. There was a few moments later, Achille yelled, I see him, and was pointing in the opposite direction. We saw a similar figure running a couple yards away, so we chased it. And then it vanished behind a tree. Turns out, a few minutes later, we found the adult hiding in the parking lot in front of the building the whole time. So who knows what we saw that night in the forest. At least 15 kids saw the thing with me, so I know I'm not crazy. That was from Joanna H. The Prime Hook Swamp Creature I was driving on Broadkill Road on Broadkill Beach, Delaware, around dusk in 2007, July. This road borders a swamp area. Standing on the side of the road by the swamp, my daughter and I saw a creature like we've never seen before. It stood about two and a half to three feet tall with long legs, tan, flat body, almost puggish face, and a long tail. It had small ears and looked like about 30 pounds. My daughter and her friend were also also saw this same animal the year before around the same area. Except it was at night and it ran in front of their car. I asked the lady who owned the Broadkill Beach store about it and she said she had seen it once when she was dirt biking with her dad in that area years before. Both her and her dad have no idea what it even was though. And they've been raised around Broadkill. She said we were lucky to have spotted it, as very few people have seen it. We went to the Prime Hook Reserve. This is what the swampy area is called. The Prime Hook Reserve Museum. And they had no idea what it could be. I'm wondering if anyone else has seen it and what the heck it is. Helen J. Florida Sea Monster. This story takes place in the summer of 1995, making me about nine years old. Practically every other year, my family would take a trip to Florida. We would usually go to Disney World, but my mother was getting sick of that. So that year, we actually didn't go to Disney World, to my sisters and my dismay. One, 
on one of these days we were on a beach i don't remember what the beach was called but the people sitting next to us mentioned it being at the bottom tip of florida after a while of nothing happening everyone was either in the ocean or sunbathing silently a woman sitting to the left of left of us pointed past us to our right asking what is that we all turned and looked to a surprisingly vacant corner of the beach there were no people down there but what was there was something really strange we all got up to get a better look very quickly forming a crowd around it if it had had to describe the creature we saw in one word that word would be cartoonish I will never forget what it looked like. It was green and looked like a ball of slime, about the size of a basketball. It had tentacles resting on the ground around it, with two longer tail-like tentacles sticking out of its back. The thing that was most bizarre made it look cartoonish were its eyes, which were on stalks which stood about a foot off of its body. The eyes looked creepily human and just looked at us in an almost disinterested way. The other strange thing was its mouth, which seems, to, which never seemed to close, and where you'd expect teeth were tooth-shaped fleshy protrusions. No one, not even the creature, seemed scared. After a while, it lazily slithered back into the ocean. There were roughly ten witnesses to this thing, and we all spent most of our time talking about what it must have been. One idea was that it was a parasite organism from a much larger creature. One also possibly never identified adam g all right the mothman um and we'll talk more in detail on the mothman a little bit later but this story says you will never believe what i saw one cold dry november night my family and i moved into a new house up on a hill in the little back road in a very small town of fort gay West Virginia. Fort Gay sits right on the east side of Kentucky. The population of my town then was probably just a couple thousand. My family and I were unpacking. We had not yet put the furniture in its right places and everything was still in boxes. Overwhelmed with the working all day, I retired around 11 p.m. I put my little brother on the couch and I took his bed since my bed wasn't put together yet. His room faces the front of the house, his window about 20 to 25 feet or so off the ground. I was looking out the window when I saw it. It stood about seven feet tall. I had no idea what it was, but I was frozen. I had never been that scared in all my life. All I could do was lay there and just stare at this thing. It was sitting in a tree about 50 feet or so off the ground, about 50 feet from the house across the yard. It felt like an eternity. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't even blink. It had big, red, bright, glowing eyes looking dead into my face. I finally worked up enough courage to close my eyes and put my head under the covers when all of a sudden this thing smacked the window. I went through the house screaming, there's something outside. I was crying. My mom and dad looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? It looks like you've seen a ghost. My face was snow white. I said, I don't know what it was, but please, Daddy, don't go outside. I begged and I begged. He came back in and said there was nothing out there. I kept screaming and saying, yes, there is. Yes, there is. When I explained to them what I saw and how I felt, they said I was crazy. But to this day, I will not go outside by myself. And even in the day, sometimes still has someone, 
someone still has to watch me to my car. I've heard some pretty crazy things going up the road. Going on up, up that road. But I never expected to experience anything myself. My husband and I went to the theaters and watched Mothman Prophecies. I was relieved that night overall. All, reliving that night all over again. The way they described that feeling was what I saw was remarkable. My husband looked over at me and said, isn't that what you described to me when we first started dating? I couldn't say a word. After that moment, I knew what I saw. I believed in heart of hearts I saw the Mothman. It's still very weird. I only live about 80 miles south of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where all those, all that took place 37 years ago. And it was exactly 32 years to the month when I saw it. And that was from Scarlet. The Kitsune, a fox spirit. Back in September of 2004, I was hiking in Arashiyama area outside of Kyoto, Japan. Uh, I had decided to leave the touristy area and set off alone in a random direction toward the mountains. I found myself on an old trail through the forest. After a while, I encountered an old man with long white beard. He carried a staff and was dressed in coarse blue robes, like a peasant out of a samurai movie. He saw me and told me to follow him. But being more curious than anything, I walked after him and he led me into the forest. He spoke at length of the beauty of nature, how people cut down forests and polluted the earth, and told me that humans must learn to protect and respect nature. During the whole exchange, he never spoke about himself or asked any questions about me. After a while, he said he had to leave and showed me another trail, saying I should take it when I wanted to, when I wanted to go back to the city. He then left by that trail. I happened to pass the same place on the, my way back that evening, so I took the trail the old man showed me. Only a few minutes later, I ended up completely lost and couldn't even find the trail itself to retrace my steps. It was getting dark out, and as I shone my flashlight around, I noticed an old white fox watching me from nearby. I could have sworn it was watching me with an amused look on its face, but as I shone, as soon as I shone my light on it, it ran off into the bushes. I remember reading all sorts of old Japanese stories and legends about fox spirits that can take the human form, and I feel I may have seen one that day. And that was from Brian T. Invisible Sprinting Humans Working as a police motorway patrol woman in Portsmouth, England, I'm frequently confronted with situations that are both bizarre and unnerving. However, the incident that occurred on 25th of November last year is by far the most unusual of them all. During a routine speed camera setup in the city around 6.30 p.m., at which time it was completely dark, our speed trap picked up random tracings of non-existent uh, objects hurtling past at 30 to 40 miles an hour. The devices are not actually known to malfunction, so we trained the camera on the road surface to see what we picked up. Sitting in the back of the patrol van, we were shocked to discover on the screen that the camera was picking up what can only be described as human figures running up and down the street at approximately 40 feet away from the vehicle, only barely visible through the night vision filter. They were average height, had a silvery hue, and were sprinting up and down the central reservation. 
the dividing surface between the two opposite lanes of the motorway repeatedly and very fast. I admit I did not exit the vehicle to investigate, but apparently I didn't have to. Only about 10 feet away at the side of the road, one of these silvery entities just appeared on the screen, female, approximately six foot, standing motionless, facing away from the van. She was dressed in a scantily clad clothing, not unlike a young woman on an evening out may wear. I was extremely freaked out, especially considering that leaning out the window, there was absolutely no evidence of anyone standing that close to the vehicle. As the first vehicle only five minutes from the first sightings drove past, all visible evidence of the entities vanished. Nothing occurred from the time until the end of my duty on 6 or at 9 p.m. And yet, when I play back the footage from the camera, the silvery objects and women are not on the tape. Obviously, I did not report the incident, but friends and fellow officers agree that it's highly unusual, and none of them had experienced anything of the like before. Cassandra J. Right. Red-eyed roadside cryptid. The following happened in Veter, Texas, on June 20, 2000, around 1 a.m. I had just gotten off work and was headed east. On this road is about 90 degree turn, and at times you have to watch because cattle might be out and on the road. That morning, that's what I saw, thought had happened. No one else was on the road, but I saw red eyes that would look at the truck's lights and look down over and over, and I knew something was not right. I was driving on the left side of the road when I got close. I noticed all the red-eyed creature stood and was about five foot tall, sported black hair all over its body. I stopped the truck and got out my spotlight and shined it on this creature. It seemed like forever, and I know it was only a few minutes. The creature raised its arm above its head and let out a terrible scream that I had heard before. It turned around and went behind a house and left. I've heard this sound before when I lived in Teal Road in Orange, Texas, just a few miles from this location. I had traveled this road many times hoping to see this creature again and never have. I'm told this creature is related to Bigfoot. Britton J. Bizarre Australian Creature I'm not entirely sure on the exact date of when this happened, but it would be around 1999, maybe in the spring or summer. Living in Australia, you are bound to see some strange things from time to time, although most have an explanation behind them. This is different. I was young at the time, probably nine or so, and my family was having a barbecue in the backyard of our house. We were all sitting at the table on the patio eating and talking, not really paying attention to anything surrounding us. Suddenly, I heard a plop noise come from the leaf cover in the garden along the back fence. I immediately turned and looked to see what made the noise. To my horror, I saw a small blue creature look at me, then run into the shrubbery. It was about six inches tall, on all fours. It didn't have any toes that I could see. Its face was vertically oval-shaped with small black eyes, long protruding nose, grimaced mouth filled with almost needle-like teeth. The outer of its face was dark, dark blue, sort of like a mane, but it looked hairless. The rest of its body, face and body, was light blue. 
The best I can describe the thing is like that of a lion, except with short legs, no tail, and less sculpted. I looked at my brother and said, what was that? He had seen it too. While my mom calmed us down, we took my brother and me to separate separate rooms of the house and got us to draw what we had seen. We both drew the same thing. I was terrified the rest of the night. To this day, I still don't know what the creature that I saw was, and it still gives me the creeps. Jessica C. All right. So that's kind of what you're in for tonight is a bunch of stories about creepy cryptids and urban legends and all kinds of stuff. And the craziest thing about it all, it very well could be real. We just don't have science. <laughs> we just don't have scientific proof or any of them captured to study or anything like that. Um, so, yeah. Let's uh, take a short break and get into some more stories. All right, welcome back. Now we're going to go into atlasobscura.com. They've got an article called 24 Extremely Local Cryptids You Probably Never Heard Of, uh, written by Eric Grenhauser. So this will be pretty cool. It's going to be some lesser known cryptids that you've probably never heard of. So let's get into it. All right. Full disclosure, I choose to believe in the possible existence of cryptids. Sort of. I like the idea that they're strange, undiscovered creatures hidden in the shadows of our world. I'm well aware of how utterly unlikely it is that cryptids and other folkloric creatures exist, but I'm certainly not alone in my blind enthusiasm for them. We recently asked readers from in our community forum to tell us about their favorite local cryptid, and to paraphrase, and to paraphrase a great fictional person, the response made us want to believe. <laughs> from creatures that are more rab that's more rabbit than human to a herd of extremely local Bigfoots, to a mad scientist escaped Melonheads, our readers and staff told us about a wide variety of incredible beasties from their regional folklore. You can see some of these favorite responses below. If you want to read more on local cryptids or want to tell us about an, a favorite unknown creature of your own, head to the community forums and join the conversation. The truth is out there, but the myths are a lot more fun. All right, so that was the intro. Let's get into some of these. Old Ned, Lake Utopia, New Brunswick. Apparently there's a monster in that lake, Old Ned, they call him, and sightings go back into local indigenous folklore. My grandfather claimed to have seen it as a boy, serpent-like, scaly, and swimming, and very quickly across the lake. You can well imagine that hearing that the story and the imagination of a six-year-old latched me into what must have been like for my grandfather's 10-year-old self back in the 1920s. So one thing you'll find a lot in cryptozoology is stories of uh, river monsters or uh, sea serpents, um, things like uh, dinosaurs and stuff like that being seen randomly. Um, so, I mean, if they existed at one time, which we have proof that they did, 
I don't see the harm in believing every now and then that there's an old sea serpent or old dinosaur living somewhere out there in one of these remote lakes or <laughs> whatever. All right, let's move on. Big Muddy Monster. Murfreesboro, Illinois has repeated sightings and smellings of the Big Muddy Monster. Many believe it's related to, if not the same as, the Creve Cure Monster sighted near St. Louis suburb. This is an animal that often likened to a Sasquatch in size and appearance, but with a distinct skunky smell. Those who believe the two cryptids are the same surmise the animal swam down the Big Muddy River in Murfreesboro to the Mississippi River, thence north to the Missouri River, by which it swam the bend near Creve Cure. All right, the Bunny Man, North Virginia. Virginia, it's the Bunny Man, but I don't know if we consider it a cryptid or a ghost story. One story is that he was a man who escaped a state facility and lives in the forest and wore rabbit pelts to stay warm. Another is the same except there's an experiment that goes horribly wrong, like all good cryptid tales, at the facility and he becomes half man, half bunny. The Rougarou, Louisiana. Here in Louisiana, the local cryptid is the Rougarou, which has many spellings and derives from the French Loop Garou, which literally means werewolf. Although relatively common across the French-speaking world, like so many things, it appeared to have gained particular prominence in the swamps of Louisiana. Lake Worth Monster. In the wilds of North Tarrant County roamed the Lake Worth Monster, supposedly caught on camera in 1969. Never saw it myself, but it became a big scare in the area. The Grassman. Kyoga Valley National Park has a giant hominid called the Grassman. He has three toes for some reason. I really hope he's more Swamp Thing than Bigfoot. The Goatman. Prince George's County, Maryland. A lover's lane type cryptid, cryptid that reportedly attacks parked cars with an axe. An escaped experiment from the local USDA or University of Maryland laboratories. Freaky. White ghost or white river monster. In Arkansas, there is what is known as the white river monster, a large creature reportedly first spotted off the banks of the white river as far back as the Civil War. It's big scaly fish type thing about 12 feet long with a single horn on its head. That supposedly sank a riverboat or two. Hopkinsville Goblins, Christian County, Kentucky. I grew up in Kentucky and heard about the Kelly Green Men, aka the Hopkinsville Goblins. In 1955, two families were terrorized by aliens or goblins or something. They were assumed to be aliens, and while they are called the Kelly Green Men, their skin was actually gray. And now there's a, felly, a festival held in Kelly, Kentucky for them. Oklahoma Octopus. We're all about some Bigfoot here in Oklahoma, where with a festival and all, but my personal favorite is the terrifying menace that is the Oklahoma Octopus. Extra points for being alliterative. alliterative. The Melonheads. 
Kirtland, Ohio. Growing up, we all heard stories about the melon heads that lived in the woods between Kirtland and Chardon, Ohio. The story was there was a doctor who lived in the woods who somehow acquired a bunch of children, possibly from a mental hospital, and performed experiments on them that caused their heads to become bulbous and misshapen. One night, the children revolted and burned down the doctor's house, and the nail roamed the woods looking for human contact. Lizardman, Lee County, South Carolina. I've got an unusual one for you. As a child back in the mid-80s in South Carolina, I lived around Lee County, Florence County border. The story erupted on the scene and, struck and stuck around for years. This report centered around a seven-foot-tall lizard man. It was a huge thing. TV crews from all over the country showed up. People were selling merchandise on the side of the road. Everything from the lizard man ate my dog to reports of the lizard man running across I-20 carrying a deer. After one of the initial reports was proven false, chatter began to die down. But for years afterwards, it would fire up again if an unexplained event occurred. There was even a televised resurgence as recently as 2008 when CNN did a bit on. Crazy. The Honey Island Swamp Monster. The Honey Island Swamp Monster is basically a swamp Bigfoot from the area of the Honey Island Swamp in southeast Louisiana. The Dire Wolf. Utah County, Utah. Not sure what it's called, but I listened to a podcast about cryptids, and it talked about basically a modern-day dire wolf-human combo that lived on a ranch somewhere in Utah. A family moved into an old ranch and noticed that all the windows and doors were tightly secured and that there, there had been a wolf sightings years ago in the area. The new owner didn't think much of it until they found some dead cows with holes in them. No blood. Then the owner saw that what looked like a wolf from far away. The wolf creature basically ends up running up to him and he shoots it. The gun does no visible harm even though it made a hole in his shoulder. Then the wolf creature casually walks away. The guy ends up looking for one of his missing cows and finds it dead. He also finds a calf getting attacked by the thing and being carried off. If I remember correctly, he tries chasing it down and it outruns him on his horse. The guy doesn't know what he's up against, so he tells a local wildlife expert who shows him a different species of wolves. They pass a picture of the creature and the wildlife expert tells him that it's a dire wolf and it hasn't been alive for a thousand years. This one freaked me out because the bulletproof giant wolves that supposedly to be dead is something that would definitely take advantage of my mild fear of dogs. Hmm. That was interesting. I mean, if it existed at one time and we think they went extinct, but they're secluded or protected somewhere, I mean, who's to say? Who's to say that it's not alive somewhere? still so i choose to believe stuff like that loveland frogman the loveland frogman from loveland ohio is one of my local favorites i love how they have been reports to reported to wield sticks as tools and somehow make emit them emit sparks meanwhile they have been they must have some kind of magic such a quirky and random cryptid. Uh, 
All right. Michigan Dogman. In the woods of northern, northwest lower Michigan, there is said to be a bipedal dog creature that has a howl that conveniently sounds like a human shriek. It is so entrenched in local folklore that there's actually a song about it that is played over the radio every year. Also, a local filmmaker made a, vi a movie about it starring Larry Joe Campbell. It even appeared in episodes of the shows Monster Quest and Monsters and Mysteries in America. Bullebeck, Amsterdam, N Netherlands. The Bullebeck lives under a bridge across one of the across one of the many canals in Amsterdam. Children are told that the bullaback might come out of its hiding place and grab them, so they better behave. The Amsterdam Council, not to be outdone, actually named two bridges after the infamous bullaback. So a visitor might try out a bridge in the crossing the picturesque canal, or they can choose to admire from the bridge to the equally enjoyable something other canal just a bit farther up the street take care of those since bullebacks seem to have an equally ver vericacious appetite to unworried travelers okay the mogulin monster in the mountains of central arizona we have the mogulin monster a southwestern variant of Bigfoot, first sightings seem to have been by the Boy Scouts in Payson, Arizona area in early 1940s. Other tales involve attacks on prospectors in remote cabins, harassment of campers in Sierra Ancha, etc. When I was a scout in the early 1960s, tales of these encounters were told around campfire to mutually scare the bejesus out of one another. Good luck getting to sleep in your tent after that. Beast of Bray Road. There are several encounter stories about it, ranging from a dog-like humanoid running across the road to three of the creatures hunched over a watering hole, observed in secret from a distance. The beast seems to be a human canine hybrid, not a werewolf. It was first reported in 1935, and I don't know that there have been any activity lately. Teniwa. In New Zealand, we have many Tenawa. There are beings that live in dead, deep pools in the rivers, dark caves, and in the sea, especially in places with dangerous currents and deceptive breakers, which are giant waves. They may be considered highly respected protective guardians of the people and places, or in some places as dangerous and predatory things. They often have rows of spines along their back, Many Pacific people from South Pacific also have Taniwa. I have never seen one, but they are taken very seriously here. Even the government takes it seriously. If they have a building, if they are building a new road and know a Taniwa is present, they will build around it. Tokoloshi. In South Africa, the Tokoloshi is an evil creature about a foot high resembling an evil monkey. Locals believe raising the bed above the ground will keep you safe. As a kid, I loved climbing onto beds raised up on bricks or empty paint tins. Bunyip. The Bunyip is the first people's legend, a creature who generally lives around watering holes and billabongs. Traditionally, they are very scary 
creatures, often translated as evil spirits. But there are also stories of friendly bunyips. And almost all kids who grew up here are familiar with the children's book, Alexander Bunyip. There are some theories that it may be based on one of the many megafauna that populated Australia from thousands of years, but it is also likely it is completely fictional and related to the well-known dreamtime stories of our first people that explain the world and its wonders. Us Nallygaster, Maryland. Even though I'd grown up, I had grown up in Maryland, I first learned of the legend of the Snallygaster just a few years ago as its latest arc incarnation as a D DC beer jamboree of the same name. The Snallygaster is a, be a dragon-like beast that is known to inhabit central Maryland and the Middletown area of Frederick County out on the Maryland Panhandle. I would fly around quietly snatch... It would... <laughs> It would fly around, quietly snatch people, and would also be reputed to use its sharp teeth to suck the blood of its victims. Seven pointed stars still seen on the barns on this day were thought to keep the beast at bay. There's a local newspaper articles about it in the 1909, which were later revealed to be a hoax used to drum up subscriptions to the publishing newspaper. The Snallygaster even made an appearance in Fallout 76. I'm just glad I never saw it. In France, we have the Bete de Govedon, the Govedon beast. Half real, half myth. We're not sure yet of what it was, but learning this story at school and history class had me a bit frightened. All right, so that's all from that article. Let's take a short break and get right back at it after this. All right, welcome back. Now we're going to go over to texashillcountry.com and talk about five cryptids of the Texas Hill Country lurking in your neck of the woods by Matthew Monk. Legends and tall tales of the Texas Hill Country abound. Stories include cryptids are no exception. Although many tales may begin as true stories based on real events, once passed down, the tales take on supernatural elements. Such is the case with the cryptid. Cryptids are simply a species of animal that is reported to be real, but has yet to be proven scientifically. Here are five cryptids from the Texas Hill Country. The Bear King of Marble Falls. The story of the Bear King is based on Kickapoo Indian folklore and the 1901 newspaper article printed in the Washington Bee. For the Kickapoos, the Bear King was a creature that ruled over and protected them from bears. As for its appearance in Marble Falls, the report from the Washington Bee describes as a young woman being carried off by a hairy, human-like creature that ran very fast on all fours. According to the report, the young woman, Ramey Arland, was held captive and beaten by the beast. Allegedly, the beast promptly fell asleep and Arlen promptly escaped, where she returned to town with this tale. Many cryptozoologists believe the Bear King to be a Bigfoot-type creature or unknown species of giant ape. Number two, the Donkey Lady of San Antonio. The story of the Donkey Lady is 
as it is known, is part ghost story, part urban legend, and part cryptozoology mystery. These are different versions of the tale. Here are the basics. There are many different versions of the tale, but here are the basics. A woman was trapped in a house fire. Some versions say her husband started the fire and she was trapped inside with her kids. Yet others mark the culprit to a young rich kid who is hassled by the woman's donkey. So a mob of young man's affluent friends set fire to the barn and the woman was burned trying to save the donkey. In either case, she was horribly mutilated by the fire. Ever since, people have reported hearing strange noises and seeing a ghastly figure in the Elm Creek area of South San Antonio. There are even reports of the figure jumping on the hood of people's cars, leaving odd hoof-like dents. Three, the Beast of Bear Creek. The Beast of Bear Creek originates in small town of Cleo in Kimball County. The story goes that an old Native American shaman who lived in the area knew how to shapeshift. As revenge or punishment toward the white settlers who slaughtered his tribe and stole his people's land, at night the shaman would turn himself into a giant wolf-like creature and roam the countryside at night in bloodlust, killing livestock and any unfortunate settler that happened to be after, outside after dark. Cryptozoologists speculate about this creature could be a Sasquatch, Bigfoot, or un other undiscovered species. Whereas biologists speculate this creature could have been a black bear or panther that wandered outside its normal home range. Black Panthers In Texas, both sightings and stories of roaming wild black panthers abound. The hill country is no exception. Per biology, black panthers are, n are not a known species. While cryptozoologists are searching for specimens to verify if this new species of big cat, if this is a new species of black, big cat, biologists have a few other explanations. One is that these could be jaguars that have migrated upwards from Central America. Another common explanation is that people are just seeing jaguarinidus, which are cats often dark in color and have been known to migrate from South Texas to Hill Country. Are these black cats a new species or simply a case of misidentification? Until we know for sure, the sightings will continue. Giant Alligators in Lake Travis Tales of giant alligators in Texas are nothing new. In southeast Texas, it's uncommon for gator hunters to bag 13-foot lizards during the hunting season. But in Lake Travis... It's agreed that Lake Travis is not a native habitat for alligators. The story goes that many a local man released hundreds of baby alligators into lake once upon a time. Many people purport that these babies have grown to monster sizes and have been lurking in and around the lake for years. Now they are full-grown giants hungry for swimmers. No specimens of giant proportions have been confirmed, although smaller gators have been captured or fished from the lake. Most of these have been confirmed as release pets, no bigger than five feet in length. Who keeps an alligator as a pet? <laughs> I digress. All right, that's all from that article. Uh, let's take a short break and be back at it right after this. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back. Um, I found this really cool uh, list that shows the scariest urban legends in each state, obscure and terrifying creatures and ghost stories from the United States. Um, and it's just really short synopsis of everything found in each state. Um, some are ghosts, some are cryptids, so I thought it would be cool to add. We'll break it up a little bit. All right, so let's get started. Number one, the Devil's Playground, the Dead Children's Playground, Huntsville, Alabama. During late night hours, swings move by themselves as spirits of buried children come to play. Number two, the Kushtaka, Southern Alaska. Shape-shifting creatures that are crossed between an otter and a man. The Kushtaka make noises that mimic children and wives to lure fishermen, though they are sometimes helpful tricksters. Slaughterhouse Canyon, Kingman, Arizona. One day, a father failed to return to his cabin during the 1800s gold rush. The family starved. The mother went insane, put her on her wedding dress, and chopped her children up. Today, you can still hear her cries for forgiveness. Dog, bo- dog boy. Quitman, Arizona. A werewolf life ghost. A werewolf like ghost walks on all fours and haunts his childhood home. This myth is based on the sad story of a real man, Gerald Bettis, who was rumored to experiment on stray animals and reportedly abused his elderly parents. Number five, the Dark Watchers, Saint Lucia Mountains, California. Featureless, dark silhouettes, often with brimmed hats or walking sticks, stare down travelers during twilight and dawn in the St. Lucia Mountains. John Steinbeck briefly mentioned them in flight. They should not be addressed or acknowledged. Number six, Riverdale Road, Riverdale Road in Thornton, Colorado. Riverdale Road is home to the host of legends. While traveling down the road during a full moon, one can see hanging bodies of slaves on the trees. They have their own lady in white, but one section of the road led to a mansion that contained a satanic cult. The gate to hell itself is reportedly inside the chicken coop. Number seven, Annabelle, the demonic doll, Monroe, Connecticut. The demonic doll, the conjuring, and the Annabelle is inspired by a real-life Raggedy Ann doll, supposedly inhabited by the spirit of a dead girl, which was given to two demonologists, Ed and Lorraine Warren, after some extremely malicious paranormal activity. Number eight, Corpse Light, Cape Helipin, Delaware. There is no lighthouse in Cape Helipin, but there is a phantom light. It crashed the ship. Devon Sherman on the Christmas of 1665 when more than 200 men died. Allegedly, the light is a curse from a local Native American tribe after British soldiers slaughtered attendees at a wedding ceremony. 
Number nine, The Devil's Chair, Casadonga, Florida. The Casadonga Spiritualist Camp is full of odd ghosts, but one chair supposedly is the favorite for the big cheese himself. According to local lore, if you sit in it, he'll whisper horrible things in your ear, forever changing you, and if you leave a beer on his chair overnight, he'll drink it, and sometimes even if the can is still sealed. Number 10, The Cursed Pillar, Augusta, Georgia. After a preacher was told he couldn't deliver a sermon next to the pillar, he declared that the whole town would be destroyed and the pillar would be the only thing left standing. A freak tornado later destroyed most of Augusta with the pillar left still standing. Number 11, The Night Marchers, Hawaii. Deadly ghosts of ancient Hawaiian warriors that march on the waters during the nights, honoring ancient gods. The night marchers are heralded by chanting and conch shells. If you hear that, run. Number 12, Water Babies of Massacre Rocks, Pocatello, Idaho. Sit by the river and you hear the sounds of babies crying. They're the babies that mothers were forced to kill during famine rather than see them starve. Some say that these babies evolved into tricky creatures with fins and gills. Ghost Elephants, Forest Park, Illinois. A real-life 1918 train wreck of circus cars leading to troop deaths has popularized the legend that elephants had to be buried where they fell. Now, supposedly, the circus still takes place at night in the Woodlawn Cemetery. Number 14, The Green Clawed Beast in the Ohio River. Quitman, Indiana. With hairy arms, clawed hands, and green skin, this human-sized creature grabs unsuspecting women. Some believe the specific incident that inspired the legend was the extraterrestrial visit related to the Kentucky Goblin sightings, which happened on the same day. Vasilla Axe Murder House, Vasilla, Iowa. Based on real-life events, this 1912 cold case features a whole family, two parents, four children, and two house guests being bludgeoned to death in their sleep. Since then, the house has been the source of odd paranormal activity, such as Ghost Hunter stabbing himself in the chest in 2014. 16. The Gateway to Hell One several gateways to hell in America, the stairs to an old demolished church opened the other side on Halloween and the spring equinox. 17. The Kentucky Goblins. The Kentucky Hopkinsville encounter was a supposed extraterrestrial visit by small green goblins like hairless children with three toes. While most of the skeptics easily dismiss them as owls, there have been a new wave of recent sightings of them on the other side of Kentucky. Number 18, Louisiana the Rougarou. A pale white werewolf-like creature prowls the swamps on often st- and often stares into stories, stars and stories to encourage children to behave, such as hunting down Catholics who don't practice Lent. Um, let's see. Number 20, the Goat Man. The legend stirred so much enthusiasm that the USDA at one point had to formally deny the creation of the Goat Man in their Beltsville Research Agricultural Center. The half-man, half-goat creature likes to chase down teenagers in Lover's Lane and distract drivers on Crybaby Bridge.
21. Puck wedgies. Tiny gray tricksters resembling humanoid porcupines will lure people off cliffs and trap them in sand in swampy regions of Massachusetts. Uh, the, the Nine Rogue. Detroit is haunted by a small impish hobgoblin who predicts misfortune and has cursed the city. He was seen in the 1805 fire, which nearly destroyed the whole city, the 1968 riots, and the 1976 ice storms. Today, a banishment parade is held yearly. <laughs> Wendigo. This is the oldest, one of the oldest of legendary monsters, dating back to the folklore of Native Amer Americans who hunted these 15-foot-tall shape-shifting creatures even into the early 20th century. Anyone who reports resorts to cannibalism and tastes human flesh will become one. Right, let's see. The Spiteful Mermaid of Pyramid Lake. While Area 51 gets all the fame and glory for its supposed alien autopsies, fewer people know about the curse of the Pyramid Lake, which happens after a man fell in love with a mermaid. His tribe rejected her and told him to throw her back in. She cursed the lake and brought the settlers and ignited a war. Talk about spite. In modern times, the lake has drowned locals spitting them out as far as Lake Tahoe. The Vampire Beast of Bladenboro, North Carolina. Gruesome deaths on the in the 1950s of mutilated livestock and dogs drained of blood led to reports of something vaguely feline and huge living in Bladenboro. The Mini Wishtu in let's see the red bison like water monster of Missouri River travels upstream to break ice anyone who sees it alone in the daytime will go insane okay let's see walking Sam Pine Ridge Indian Reservation the seven-foot-tall specter, whose job it is to collect the souls of suicide victims, stalks lonely, depressed adolescents. Perhaps he's an explanation for the alarmingly high suicide rates in the area, or the few recent attempts of mass suicide. Skin Tom from Tennessee. Don't woo the wrong lady like young Tom did. He ended up getting skinned alive by a beautiful woman's angry husband. His bloody ghost hangs around Lover's Lane to punish cheaters. Right. The Caddy of Caterborough Bay. While this legendary Bigfoot gets a great deal of attention in the state, you might not have heard of Caddy, short for Cadborosaurus, the local sea monster hanging out in Cadborough Bay. The White Thing, West Virginia. Mothman might be the more popular mystery, but the rural West Virginia is known for a mysterious dog-like creatures the size of a lion with white shaggy fur. The Ring Rinlander. 
Wisconsin. An ugly, stumpy creature with a spiked tail and hodag creatures features in Paul Bunyan stories is reportedly likes to eat bulldogs. All right. I skipped around, um, went for more of the cryptid stories. Right. So let's take a short break and get into some more legends and lore after this. All right, welcome back. Jumping over to WNCMagazine.com, reading an, ep- or an article called Legends and Lore of Western North Carolina by John Elliston and Jason Sanford. Some local legends speak of phantoms, ghosts, and other specters. Others shine into the murky mysteries of cryptozoology, a study of mythical creatures that some consider as real, verified species of the world. Whatever you believe or want to believe, here are some standout stories from the regional lore that continue to confound and fascinate with each retelling. Bigfoot. You're looking at something that doesn't exist. One after another, the true believers stood to tell their stories of bone-chilling encounters with the shaggy, ja- shadowy giants lurking just off in the distance. You're trying to figure out what is, what it is when you're staring at it, one man tells a crowd of hundreds gathered at, on the courthouse lawn in Marion. You're looking at something that don't exist, and it lets out this big scream with a growl in it. It sends chills through your body. The McDowell County scene was a highlight of the first WNC Bigfoot Festival, an event organized in 2018 by a local group of fervent amateur investigators whose dog determination to document the half-man, half-ape was stoked renewed regional interest in the legendary beast. The the festival, which drew a reported 40,000 people last year, has been canceled due to concerns of the spread of the coronavirus this year but organizers are planned to expand the event for 2021. The event is just the latest of a sign of enduring fascination with Bigfoot that spans centuries and cultures, with tales of forest-roaming giants, sometimes called Sasquatch or Yeti, that resembles a man but who remains wild and elusive. In western North Carolina, the creatures have also gone by names including Nobby and Boojum. While Bigfoot in the U.S. may be the often, may be most often associated with West Coast wilderness areas, who can forget the 1967 Patterson-Gimlin film clip shot in Carolina, California? The WNC mountains have been seen have seen their share of activity, according to the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. The nationwide group of believers founded in 1995 documents and then tries to verify sightings. The group has counted about a dozen reports in the region, including at least five in Macon County alone. It's, but it's been Bigfoot 911, a devoted group of Marion-based cryptid researchers that have been most active recently. One of its members reported a sighting around Lake James in 2017 an episode that sparked heightened interest and then the festival. Bigfoot 911 sponsored the first Blue Ridge Bigfoot Conference in McDowell Technical Community College this past February, 
It brought together top researchers who shared their experiences and knowledge. They talked about new areas of investigation that would focus on how Bigfoot creatures communicate with stick structures and whether Bigfoot may travel between dimensions to elude those who seek to find it. Lori Wade, who focuses on sightings in Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia, said mountainous lands of North Georgia and WNC rank as current hotspot for activity. And Lee Woods, who regularly presents new evidence of encounters, including casts of footprints on the Big Bigfoot 911 Facebook page, remains defiant in the face of skeptics. We're going to put North Carolina on the map, he said in July post. We're going to find it, and we're going to catch it. And then there's a picture of a foot casting. A close encounter. In summer of 2017, Bigfoot 911 founder and leader John Bruner reported that he said was a significant sighting during a research mission in McDowell County. Here's his full account, which he posted to Facebook. We did an expedition last night at research area number one, and we hit pay dirt. We had three teams in the woods, and I had deployed glow sticks at various places in the area. One of the teams had walked up to where I was stationed, and we began hearing movement off to our right, maybe three steps at a time. There was a glow stick about 30 yards from where we were. We heard a whistle, and I looked up at the glow stick, and it disappeared, then came back into view. The angle of the moon was shining straight down on the road, and something big stepped into view. I turned on my headlamp, and I saw a large bipedal animal covered in hair. I took one step into the woods. I took off running where it went into the woods. I entered the woods about 50 yards and stopped to listen. I didn't hear anything. I scanned the woods with my light. I was standing about 30 it was standing about 30 yards to my right with its right hand on a tree that had been broken off nine feet above the ground. Its face was a solid black, no hair on it. The hair looked shaggy all over. It turned and took five steps and was at the bottom of the hill, probably 30 yards. I could see the gluteus maximus flexing with each step. We tracked it as far as we could, never saw anything else. On the way out of the woods, kept having rocks thrown at us. Wow, what a night. All right. That's the end of that about Bigfoot. The sunshine, a sunshine grave, a lonely sleep in darkness she feared so much. Some souls push against eternal darkness more than most. Consider the curious and poignant case of Layla Davidson Hansel, a Hendersonville woman with a sunny disposition who was determined to bask in light even after her demise. A Charlotte native and scion to the influential family of Davidson College fame, Hansel became a school teacher in Henderson County and then moved to Georgia after marrying a powerful judge. But when she took ill with tuberculosis, she returned to Hendersonville seeking healing. It was for naught, and before her death in 1915, at 54, Hansel implored her husband to make sure the sun would always shine on her. And so the judge commissioned a special vault in Oakdale Cemetery, one with both humble and extraordinary. It bore no name or epitaph, 
but the three-foot-high brick structure had similar feature, a cover inlaid with opaque glass fixtures to let in at least a modicum of Hansel's beloved sunlight. For the next two decades, the legend of the Sunshine Woman spreads, and locals and visitors alike gravitated to the grave. Word was Hansel's very corpse could sometimes be seen through the glass panels when the light was just right. The account varied as much as they multiplied. When a tree branch stretched over the grave, for example, some witness swore Hansel's remain turned to dodge the shadow. The undertaker who interred Hansel Hansel uh, called such accounts nonsense, protesting that while it was true the dead, the dearly departed had been buried in the top half of her casket open, her remains were draped in a shroud that would have made seeing her impossible. At the same time, some observers speculated that a crack in the vault's concrete had let in sufficient moisture and sunlight to cause the shroud's decomposition, leaving the skeleton exposed. Ultimately, town officials found the hubbub speculation and cemetery crowds to be too much, and in 1937, they ordered the minimalist mausoleum to be sheathed in concrete. And so it sits today, much as it did in the late Henderson County. No longer visited by the curious, the sunshine lady sleeps her lonely sleep in darkness she feared so much. Well, that was random and kind of sad. All right, the Moon-Eyed People, a world clothed in secret and mystery. From elves to fairies to leprechauns, various world cultures pass on stories of small beings of yore who still provide enduring narratives. But few such tales rival that of the Moon-Eyed People, a.k.a. the Cherokee Little People, which the Cherokee called in their native tongue the Yonwi Tsundi. The Cherokee oral history paints a rich tapestry of the interactions of the little people. As ethno ethnographer uh, James Mooney found in the late 1880s, when he lived among the tribe and wrote the seminal work of Myths of the Cherokee, in it he recanted a dim but persistent tradition that kept cropping up. Accounts differed on particulars, but were consistent on the basics. The little people were said to grow only about three feet tall. They could see in the light. They couldn't see in the light, and perhaps accounting for their nocturnal activities, larger than normal eyes. And they lived underground or in caves. They were either light-skinned or clad in white, with the men growing flowing beards. They possessed magical knowledge and practices, and alternate between living in helpful accord with the Cherokee and finding conflict with them. Even today, some authors point to supposed discoveries of small skeletons and the remains in subterranean, subterranean domiciles to authenticate stories of the little people. People, perhaps the most complete compendium on the subject, The Secrets and Mysteries of Cherokee Little People, was authored in 1998 by Lynn King Losia, a member of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. The story offers a window into a world clothed in secret and mystery, she noted, along with lessons about living with neighbors who are both decidedly different and share your common ground. Right. 
the wampus cat, a bloodthirsty animal. Watch out, a kitty more terrifying than the one in Stephen King's pet cemetery might be roaming North Carolina, wreaking havoc in the dead of night. Called the wampus cat, or something simply the wampus, this creature is unconfirmed by crops, but crops up into stories dating back decades. It's reportedly much larger than the average feline, with ferocious teeth and a yen for slaughtering domestic animals and scaring the bejesus out of humans. The mystery critter once caused quite a stir in western North Carolina foothills as first-hand accounts morphed into rumors for wildfire. In August 1932, for example, a local newspaper reported the suspicious, suspected wampus had slashed and mangled more than 40 dogs in and around Marion. The bloodthirsty animal, according to one eyewitness, had long slimy legs, pointed ears, and a large head. The beast was never killed or apprehended, though it surfaced in a spate of additional stories at the time. Some speculated it was a hyena escaped from a zoo. Whatever it was, it was hardly an isolated specter. Right. That's all for that one. Let's take a short break and be right back at it after this. All right, welcome back. Now we'll get into some convincing stories of people who claim that they saw the Mothman in real life. Often described as a humanoid figure around seven foot tall with a massive wingspan and hypnotic glowing red eyes, the creature of legend known as the Mothman seemed to be connected with tragic events across the world. Witnesses claim to have seen a creature with sightings becoming more frequent in days leading up to a horrific event. Two bridge collapses, the Chernobyl disaster, and even 9-11 terrorist attacks were all alleged preceded by Mothman sightings. What is the Mothman? Could it be a cryptid like Bigfoot or something otherworldly? perhaps extraterrestrial in origin. Reports of strange lights in the sky and unnerving humming sound and electrical interference have all been tied to Mothman sightings. Many have asked the creature's possi possible motives. Could it have been causing these disasters or should it be presence be considered a warning of what's to come? Like any good harbinger of doom, the Mothman is said to possess a blood-curdling shriek that is made to know that has been known to make those who hear it experience vertigo and nausea. The following stories of real people who claim to have seen the Mothman and what disasters they experienced are narrowly averted. A trucker reportedly spied the Mothman at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. A truck driver who stopped at O'Hare International Airport on November 26, 2019, claimed he spotted a person with wings around seven feet tall standing by a fence while he took a smoke break at 6.30 p.m. He reported his sightings to UFO Clearinghouse, an online source of odd encounters that describe itself as a portal to the truth. According to the investigator who took the report, the truck driver said the creature had a wingspan of approximately six feet and looked like a demon or goblin with, and was solid black. 
The witness mentioned the creature may have had its back to him and it was walking with a gait like a bird. He claimed it was flapping its wings as it walked toward the large field that is by the airport runways and disappeared into the night. The witness himself believed he was in the presence of a demon. When the investigator asked if he'd seen anything like it before, the truck driver detailed a similar experience as a child in Mexico where a solid black winged creature with a crippling was circling an open field and made a loud screeching noise before flying off into the surrounding forest, similarly to the experience of those who claimed to have encountered the Mothman. The Mothman is said to have haunted Point Pleasant prior to the Silver Bridge collapse. The first of a series of strange sightings actually took place about 85 miles away from Point Pleasant in Clendon, West Virginia. Five grave diggers heard a rustling in the trees overhead, looked up to what they claimed was a, a flying man directly over them. Over the next few days, more reports started trickling in. Two volunteer firemen described a large bird with red eyes. At least 100 reports from uh, people of all ages circulated through the Point Pleasant between November 1966 and December 1967, describing a monster that was able to ascend straight up in the air like a helicopter. All of the witnesses described the same bird man with glowing hypnotic red eyes and wings of a bat. Mary here, a reporter at the time of the Mothman sightings, received over 500 phone calls, not only about this mysterious creature, but also of strange lights in the sky, inter electrical interference, mysterious humming sounds, and the UFO sightings. Then, on December 15, 1967, a year after the Mothman sightings began, tragedy struck. During rush hour traffic, the Silver Bridge collapsed. 46 people died, and the Mothman disappeared. Two young couples were reportedly chased down Route 22 by the Mothman. On November 15, 1966, two couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Mallet, were driving past a TNT plant when they saw a humanoid figure with glowing red eyes. Linda described what they saw on the side of the road as the bird-like humanoid creature with a large wingspan and fiery red eyes. She said it was about seven feet tall, its wings folded against its back. You could see muscles in its legs, she recalled. The creature followed them as they drove back towards Point Pleasant on Route 22. Then it veered off into the fields and disappeared. The group went straight to the Mason County Police Department to share the terrifying account, which soon made its way into local papers. I wish we had never seen it. I wish someone else had seen it, Linda Scarberry said later. The Mothman allegedly saved the lives of miners in Friedberg, Germany. On September 10, 1978, a group of miners in Friedberg, Germany came face to face with a seemingly headless creature with glowing red eyes on its chest, blocking the mine's entrance. At first, they thought it was a man in a trench coat, but they quickly realized it was not a coat, but unfurled large black wings. The men remained in the mine entrance, stunned and staring at the creature, until it let out a blood-curdling scream that sent the miners scrambling out. 
About an hour later, the man, the men felt a seismic rumble and witnessed a plume of dust shoot from the mine as it collapsed. If the men had gone to their stations as usual, the majority of them would have died. It appeared as though what they dubbed the Friedberg Shrieker saved their lives. The Mothman may have tried to warn people of the Fukushima disaster. Paul or Marcus Puels, an American visiting Japan, was out with a friend near Fukushima plant when suddenly they heard large whooshing sound and a terrible screeching. As they looked back towards the plant, they saw a huge figure, Puels described as large and black, from the distance. It was look like looking... I was at... It looked to be sitting on top of one of the square-shaped buildings. It sat there for about five seconds, then it unfurled a large set of what I can only describe as large black wings. The creature took flight, circling the plant a few times before coming closer to them. That's when I noticed two large red eyes. They seemed to glow from within and with a red hue. They were unblinking in three to four seconds we saw them. We knew they were looking straight at us. We knew this creature knew we could see it, and it made no attempt to disguise itself. Pules described an immense feeling of dread that washed over him, and the creature vanished as quickly as it appeared. It wasn't until Pules was back home in America hearing the news on CNN about the devastation of the Japanese earthquake and explosions in the very same nuclear plant where he had witnessed the creature that he realized they may have been, he may have seen an infamous harbinger of disaster known as the Mothman. The Mothman was apparently hanging around the Twin Towers the week of 9-11 attacks. During the days leading up to the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, several people reported sightings of a black-winged creature flying near the Twin Towers. During the attack, the second plane hit. Eyewitnesses reported a creature flying parallel to the plane. Then, in the days that followed, those reports of the creature were allegedly approached by those reporting the creature were allegedly reproached by the men in black and warned to stop talking about what they saw. The Mothman is allegedly connected to Chernobyl disaster. The Mothman is believed to have been around the worst nuclear accident in history. Throughout 1985, many scientists and other workers at the nuclear power plant in Chernobyl, Ukraine, claimed to see a huge black bird-like creature with a body of a man flying around the plant. Those who saw red-eyed beasts also reported the series of strange harassing phone calls and a string of nightmares leading up to the disastrous explosion in April 1986. On April 26, 1986, the day of the accident, several people saw a huge black bird apparently flying around the smoke after the explosion. Even those in nearby town of Pripyat claimed to have seen a strange creature that became known as the Blackbird of Chernobyl in the days leading up to the disaster. Pripyat was also affected and later evacuated because of the harmful radiation. Mothman may have been, might have appeared at the site of the I-35 bridge collapse. The Mothman was spotted at yet another bridge collapse in 2007. Eerily enough, I-35 West Bridge in Minneapolis, Minnesota was open for traffic in 1967, the same year the Silver Bridge collapsed. 
Then on August 1st, 2007, after a month of Mothman sightings, the I-35 bridge collapsed during rush hour, taking the lives of 13 people with it and injuring 145 more. Reports of the Mothman began trickling in on June 27, 2007, preceding the collapse by a mere month. Many claimed to see the humanoid creature flapping its massive wings in surrounding area and at the bridge itself. An Illinois woman witnessed the creepy cryptid while driving just outside of Stewartville, Minnesota. On July 27, 2007, called a paranormal radio show host George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM and described the creature as having huge wing about the width of a Ford. A West Virginia man claims his dog was taken by the Mothman. On November 13, 1966, in Salem, West Virginia, Salem, West Virginia, Merle Petrich heard a large or a loud sound outside his home, 90 miles from Point Pleasant. During an interview in the eyes of the Mothman, he recalled the television making a high-pitched whining sound and his dog barking wildly. After going outside to investigate, Partridge was startled by two glowing red eyes that belonged to no animal he'd ever seen before. He also described eerie flashing red lights that seemed to be dancing around. His hunting dog took off after the creature and was the last he ever saw of either. He went out to search for his dog with his friend the next day, but the dog was never seen again. The combination of hundreds of Mothman sightings in the area that year, claims of red lights dancing over the TNT plant, and electrical interference during the sightings have all led to speculation that the Mothman might have extraterrestrial origins. An eyewitness in Wisconsin says the Mothman attacked his car. In September 2006, in La Crosse, Wisconsin, Awalahi, a Cherokee man, and his son were driving down an isolated stretch of road at night when the Mothman attacked them. Awa Holly told the creature told how the creature flew alongside and then directly in front of the windshield, close enough to touch. That's they got a really good look at it, describing it as bat like and fleshy, with a sparse hair and red eyes the size of road reflectors. He described the monster's high pitched scream that gave them vertigo and made them sick to their stomachs. The man's son pulled over and threw up on the side of the road. After the returning to the location a few days later in the daytime, all they found behind was a deer carcass they later blamed on a poacher. Mothman sightings are correlated with the swine flu outbreak in Mexico. Some believe the large, hairy, red-eyed creature, the people of La Junta, Mexico, began to see stalking the area in 2009 was the legendary Mothman. The sightings occurred around the same time leading up to the 2009 swine flu outbreak in Mexico. Two witnesses, Angela Mendez and Viviana Ledesma, uh, experienced pure terror as they heard the creature's screeches emanating out from an apple orchard near Menaca Cemetery. 
A student who requested to remain anonymous reported the Mothman chasing him for 15 minutes on the night of March 6, 2009. Despite the best effort of local authorities to hunt down the entity, no traces were found. The Mothman may have signaled the deadly Shon de Dam disaster. A region in south southeastern China was plagued with sightings of a future figure that resembled the Mothman in early January 20, 1926. Dubbed by the locals as the Man Dragon, the shadowy ominous figure was seen hovering above the Shaoti Dam. Then disaster hit, surrounding the farming villages in the form of 50, 40 billion gallons of water. The dam collapsed, resulting in the deaths of 15,000 people. So yeah. The Mothman has been associated with being a harbinger of impending doom. Um, I know in other stories, whenever we've heard of buzzing or electrical interference, we always associate that with the extraterrestrial. Um, but yeah, I've always found it fascinating that the Blackbird of Chernobyl, these are like documented historic events, you know, whether they can explain it or not. Um but still, probably my favorite cryptid is the Mothman. <sighs> but I digress. Um, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Uh, feel free to join our Facebook page at Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shizzes in parentheses, on Facebook. That's where you can connect with me and other people listening to the podcast. Um, you can also submit your stories, your spooky stories to me. Or post them in the Facebook page yourself if you're loud and proud and like, this is what happened to me. Or if you want to remain anonymous, just shoot me a note and let me know. Um, other than that, stay spooky, my friends. <laughs>